Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got Carl Shake Thomas uh, from the Tampa area to talk about... Um, his life as a student athlete coming out of Tampa area to Western Kentucky, to the college in Charleston, um, then pursuing his professional career. Um, um, Carl and I had some great times at the college of Charleston where we, where we first met. And um, um, to this day, we're, we're best of friends and talk about a lot of, um, a lot of things we, we've been through as student athletes and things now we're currently approaching as, you know, we're building our careers. So um, great interview. All right, let's get into it. But for guys, I'll go ahead and get right into it. Uh, this is Triple triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President. With good, good news, good vibes all the time, baby. We got my man, Carl, Shake, Thomas in the building. Before we get started, I got to tell a quick story. So, you know, Shake first come, came on campus and we met, we linked up. So we jumped in the car we had to go to the teller. <laughs> <laughs> we had to go to the teller. So mind you for the story, I'm just putting a little timeline on it. Say I dropped him off the teller at 2.30. I pulled up on George Street, you know, let him go to Stern Center with a little Bank of America teller in the back. About 2.30, I put up on the side. About 2.55, I'm like, well, dang, what's, where, where is he? So I walked around. He's like, man, this, this, this teller's acting up, little buddy. I'm like, what's going on? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get $7 out this bit. I was like, you can't get seven. You can't get no, no odd number out the teller. So but right then, I know it was like, listen, that's my guy right there. We, we hit it on ever since then, right? Yeah, that was the struggle, man. Never had no bank account before, man. That was my first bank account. So I ain't have an idea or clue of what I was doing. Right. Hey, but being a student athlete put us in those situations. So that helped us, force us to, you know what I'm saying, to learn, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, and that's what this is all about, man. So um, <clears throat> so I want to say thank you for, for your time. You know, this is my, my first podcast. Not my first podcast, but I'm just starting this new venture. And I appreciate you, know, you guys coming on. I'm interviewing a lot of former student athletes, um, particularly College of Charleston. That's, you know, that's my, my alma mater. But um, just getting those feedback, giving the community and the families those different perspectives of student athletes. So, um, you know, you being from Tampa, Florida, um, you know, one of, one of our topics we'll get into is, is, is we're going to start from the bottom to the top and, and, and talk about you coming up, the parks and arrivals, um, Throw some names out there. Throw some parks out there. Throw some times out there where, because you know, coming from my era, that's that's where it started from. 
the parts. You know, exactly. take us back a little bit on that. Well, first and foremost, I want to say thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure being on your podcast. Um, you know, you and I talk on a regular. For sure. We talk about a lot of, you know, about our journey. And, you know, even now these days, I still call um, to get advice from you as a, as, a, as a former athlete, just in life in general, you know, sure. making the right moves and just learning, you know, the whole life lesson that we've learned in the past. Um, going back to my, my story coming up, you know, um, growing up in East Tampa, uh, known as Jackson Heights, um, playing at the park, uh, Fair Oaks, you know, Giddens Park, uh, McFarland Park. Those are the places I started growing up being competitive as a basketball player, as an athlete. And, uh, you know, the journey was tough. I mean, I never thought in a million years I'd be playing college basketball. I never knew it was another level um, to this journey. I was a, I was a skinny African-American kid that I was, was, was just pushing for respect, you know. And growing up in our, in our era was always about, you had like two or three different um, avenues. You could either be a street guy, you could be a, a student, you could be a student or a student athlete. Right. And um, which, whichever direction I went, I wanted to be the best I could be. And, and, and I wanted to be respected in whatever, you know, avenue I went. Right. And of course, I chose to be a student athlete. And um, just growing up, man, you know, I went, growing up in an all-black African-American neighborhood, going to all-Caucasian um, school, I've always been challenged as, you know, you're not, you guys are not playing against anybody. You know, you, you guys don't have any competition. And as I've gotten older and as I was getting wiser and getting stronger, you know, I always wanted to prove to my peers, to my, to my, um, to my, to my neighborhood friends that, hey, I'm just as good as the guys that's here in the neighborhood. Right. Just give me a chance. And, you know, I wanted to be a guard also. So right. with that being said, I just, you know, kept on working, kept on working. And um, before you know it, I was playing the, the same public schools that the guys that I grew up with was going to, and we were smashing them. Mm-hmm. And from there, it just gave me the confidence to know, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go even back further. I, I never forget I was in, when I was in high school, playing at the park with a guy named Tony Mack. My high school coaches to always talk about him about how good of a guy he was. He led the country in scoring. He ended up playing at the University of Georgia, averaging 40 points a game. And I was playing at the park one day, and this guy came up there, and he was just, we playing 21. Never knew who this guy was. He was a dark-skinned guy. Never, he didn't speak. But every time he got the rebound, he going up, he just dunking the ball. And at this time, I was just developing the respect that, hey, this guy Carl could play, and everybody respected me at the park. But this one guy came up, He's dunking everything. He's shooting threes. And I'm like, if this guy is a no-name, then I don't know if I'm going to be able to play college basketball. <laughs> I went back to um, my high school the next day, and I told my coach, I said, Coach, i seen this guy with some red Georgia shorts. And um, he was about 6'7", and he was dunking everything, making a, it was like man among boys. And I was, go- I was playing with some grown men. Right. And he said, oh, don't worry, um, Slim. That's probably Tony Mack. And... From there on, I know, okay, if this guy is Tony Mack, and I know he was doing this to everybody, I'm not too far behind because, I, uh, you know, this is just an exceptional guy that I shouldn't have to worry about. Right. Uh, so my coach told me that this guy was phenomenal. Right. Unfortunately, with grades and, you know, different legal troubles, I think he got a shot in the NBA, but because of, you know, those are different times. If your attitude wasn't good and you had legal troubles, that would deter you from actually 
excelling in the NBA, but he was a very good guy. But that was one of the guys I grew up against, man, and that, that really challenged me and let me know, okay, I may, I may have a chance to play college basketball. And so um, the, 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 when you talked about, you know, those, those, those challenges with those guys coming up, in your high school career, you, you went to Tampa Prep. I went to Tampa Prep. The Tampa Prep, is that considered a, a, a prep school? Is that considered a public school? Um, give us some some feedback on because that word prep, you know, it, it strikes me because in, in the in the in the athletic realm, that's a that's like a that's like a uh, like a big up. That's like a, ooh, we went to a prep school, so that must be good. So give us some feedback on your your history at the prep school. Why you went there versus a public school? Well, the prep school wasn't the traditional prep school that a lot of guys go to, like yourself, like the Fort Unions. It was a um, academic school. It was actually known for volleyball. I was actually one of the first black kids to go there on a, on a scholarship to play basketball. And um, the reason why I went there and how I got there was I was in public school my whole life and they were trying to bring more minorities into the school. And my mom knew a, a, a lady that worked in the academic department, or in, I'm sorry, in the financial department. And um, I think they might've went to church together and she was trying to reach out to my mom, telling her, hey, I used to try to get your kid to go, to go there because we're trying to bring more minorities. So of course my mom, she's a, she's a, you know, she's into education and she has her degrees and everything. And she wanted to kind of get me out the realm of the environment that I was in, give me a different look, put me in a different direction. And even though she was looking to put me in a different direction, I was pissed because I didn't, I, all I knew was my neighborhood. And, um, my mom filled out some paperwork. I did, I had to write a, do a test or an essay and they had accepted me, but they accepted me to be a, you know, going there as an academic. Um, and I was on financial aid. I think we may have been paying just to give you some small numbers, like a hundred dollars a month on right. financial aid. Right. Um, to us at that time, that was a lot. That was a big bill for my mom to even afford. So by me going there for the first year, you know, um, I picked up basketball because prior to that, football was actually my first love. And when I went there, um, I was, I, 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 I probably complained every day when I got home, like, mom, there's some bull. I should, you know, why you took me out of school? But in the meantime, that was just me as a young guy wanting to go to school for fun because that was the academic school. And so um, I picked up basketball, played JV. But while I was playing JV, I grew like 5'7 to like 6'2 within a year. And my high school coach saw the potential in me and he was like, hey, you know, he had me playing AU. Uh, he sponsored me a lot for a lot of different things like shoes and put me in these different things. And so he was invested. So now with my, with my mom and I saying, well, we're going to pull him out and take him back at the public school because this hundred dollars is a little too high for us. Right. Um, he came back with an opportunity and a proposition. Hey, we have a scholarship for your son. So when she, when he told my mom that my mom was happy dinner with a bag of, and I was pissed. Right. I'm like, oh, golly, I'm, I'm, I was just getting ready to go to school with my guys from the neighborhood to have fun. And my mom was like, hey, I don't, I don't care how much fun you want to have. This is, this, this is for your future. So um, looking back in hindsight, that was the best, that was the best decision my mom made for me because of the fact that, um, you know, it, it kind of prepared me to get focusing on getting to school and sticking with this basketball thing that I had just started started to um, started to endure and love. But check, yeah. but check what what sports have sports do does all the time. You know what I mean? Because yeah, they wanted to get my, more minority in the school, but you had twofold. You could have you know with athletic, and they needed that. 
So because of sports affiliation, you were able to get a scholarship, which enhanced right. when we talk about you know, your career and how those, those seeds that you planted, your mom planted, has been beneficial to now. But we'll get into that. So when the Tampa Prep, you started playing, take us to you know, your senior year, when the recruitment was and everything happened. Tell us who was recruiting you, um, a little bit of what happened, what didn't happen, because you end up at Western Kentucky and then to the best place in the world that you ever could end up at, at the College of Charleston. So right. take us back at high school where, you know, your recruiting was that, that season and then how you end up at Western Kentucky. In this timeout session, we got Joe Chile. We just kind of had this conversation about where it started back in, in middle school, getting cut and stuff. And in seventh grade is when I kind of decided, you know what I'm saying, I wanted to play professionally, right? And, and so I felt that, man, I, I really worked my whole life um, for this opportunity. And you get to the point, like I, I get to the NBA, right? And you kind of see like how it works, like the politics that are involved, you know what I'm saying? Like you see some people that might not necessarily be as devoted to, to basketball, like and put the amount of time in that you did. And, and that's, that's a, uh, it's, it's a weird dynamic to be in because like you, like I said, in the lyric, man, like I worked my whole life for it. Right. And, um, and so just, just navigating that, man, it was, uh, I'm still navigating it to this day, right? Like I'm, I'm praying for another opportunity and I'm working as hard as I can. And it's not really about like getting the opportunity. It's about how you approach getting the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? It's about like the work you put in. It's not the, the destination, it's like the journey. Now let's get back to the interview. Okay, well, um, well, well, my senior year is when I started getting, well, I started getting a lot of um, mid-major offers, you know, of, of um, interest. And um, as I can remember, again, I'm always, I want to always go to the best school that I can go, or the best place uh, with the best opportunity. So if I'm getting recruited by the, the ACC schools, I want to go to the top ACC schools. At the time, um, of course, College of Charleston, uh, well, Western Kentucky was top in their division. Uh, well, I wasn't getting recruited from Western Kentucky first. It was, um, I was getting recruited by all the tax schools initially, Jacksonville and Charleston. A couple Midwest schools that was, um, that was mid-major, but they was like in the middle of their conference. And so Jacksonville recruited me and Charleston recruited me. So initially I, I visited and also with Murray State, I, I went on a visit to Murray State, went to a visit to the College of Charleston and also Jacksonville. I initially picked Jacksonville um, to go to. Okay. Um, yeah, I was saying I was considering going to Jacksonville initially. I mean, I was considering going to Charleston initially, 
Um, Jacksonville was one of the schools I visited, but because the, the head coach took a job at Western Kentucky, I decided to withdraw the offer from Charleston to go to Jackson, to go to Western Kentucky because they were, all, they were also top in their division and they would consider a better conference than the TAC. Right. Um, so I chose Western Kentucky and um, that was the reason why I chose them because again, I was always shooting for the best. Um, you know, it wasn't about, you know, if, if I was getting recruited by uh, a, mid, uh, a top major school, I wanted to go to the best and challenge myself as an athlete to play at right. the top <clears throat> level. And, and, and that's why, you know, that's why this podcast is so important because when we talk to, you know, student athletes, there's so many variations of stories, the reason where people end up certain places. So, and that's why I tell my families and athletes right now, it's almost like, it's like a bag of rice, right? A $5 bag of rice is not going to sell at Piggly Wiggly. A $1.99 bag of rice is going to sell at Piggly Wiggly. A $5 bag of rice will sell at Whole Foods or Harris Teeter. So I think athletes need to put themselves in situations where, and we all did this before, we, and, and, and that we're all guilty of this, of looking for the best team to go for, because, you know, if I go to the best team, I get in the best looks, I mean, the best wins. But is necessarily a good fit for me because that school is the best school? No. And, that, and that's what athletes need to be looking at towards <clears throat> what's my strength in playing? Am I a shooting guard? Do I, am I assist? Do I rebound? So programs that fit my model, fit my makeup, those are schools I need to be interested in because I'm going to get the best bang for my buck in, those, in that system. So, you know, and that's the reason why. And there was a, a, a fault, that, fault that your coach left and caused you to redirect. But moving forward, I think athletes, athletes that listen to this podcast need to make sure that their, their value, their bag of rice, their package is distributed to the right, to the right store, to the right school, per se. Well, I mean, I could piggyback off of that. I mean, because of my competitive nature, maybe Charleston was probably the best fit for me to go to in the first place. But I must say that going to Western Kentucky actually helped me. Well, going to college at Charleston developed me a lot. Um, going to Western Kentucky gave me another, an, another look at playing at a different level. But yeah, go ahead. You say you went to Charles College, Charleston. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. I mean, if I had to do it all over again, you know, I would I would go the same direction. Um, I learned a lot at, at at Western, but I mean, I think going to Charleston actually developed. Actually, it's just the coaching. I mean, the coach Crest in that system we were in, man. That's where I learned the game of basketball tremendously. Hey, Carl, push it, push it off so I can see your eyes. Push it. Um... But I would have never knew what what was on the other side if I didn't go the direction I went initially. Push your uh, your uh, your uh, monitor up so I can see your eyes. I can see. Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, and that, that segue into my next topic is, you know, Coach Chris, man. Because I remember, you know, 
the disciplinary, the discipline of that guy, man, the, the strategic approach he took to the game, you know, from Earl Grant, I mean, even Earl Grant, Earl Brown at Burke High School, I learned toughness. You know what I mean? I learned the, that, that, that dog attitude. From Coach Fletcher Arrett at, at Folk Union, I learned the discipline of the game. I learned how to apply discipline to the game, how to read. But the X's and O's, I learned from Coach Kress and the timing, like, I was just talking to Big Baby about that. Like, we had to be places at 7-12, you know what I mean? And he has so much talent that he had to find every little thing to discredit you because the talent we had was just coming out the door. But I never forget your first time, you know, in, in practice where, you know, here, here you, you say you grew, I didn't know you grew that much, but here you're a six, I never seen a six, seven guard put it on the floor like how you did, right? And that's all you knew, that was your thing. But in Crest system, the most effective ball moved faster than the, the, the person. So the pass and pick and read and react is something that I didn't have. I had to adjust. But, man, he got on you a lot because as soon as you put the ball on the floor, he blew the whistle. Nope, that's not it. And to the point where you were really, really frustrated. Very, so, very. So take, the, take us to the back where coming on campus, being frustrated, then having one of the, the biggest game of the college officer career in North Carolina came out. And you bust him with 20 points. I mean, I mean, it feel like that all that time, all that frustration, all the time where you could, because you had a rough, where you had surgery, you had, you, you know, like, I mean, you was nipping at the butt every time something happened. But North Carolina was your kind of, your, your breakout time. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it was, de it was definitely frustrating because, again, like I said, I went to Western Kentucky where, where it was more of a, we did a more of a ball weave um, offense where you had to put the, you, you put the ball on the floor to create shots for not yourself, but for others. And then you come into a system where there's no ball dribbling, it's all ball movement. It was definitely definitely a shocking um, experience to me. And I didn't understand why, why I couldn't really show what I can do. But as I, you know, just watching you guys in practice every day and competing with you guys every day, I had to adjust and learn. And I, I didn't grasp it till the end. Like, wow, this is really, this is really, like even now when I watch basketball, if I see a, a team like Houston with James Harding, who's one of the top players in the NBA, and I see him dribble the ball more than two or three times, I'm like, I don't like that brand of basketball. Um, but yeah, I had to learn, man. It was, it was, it was interesting because it was, it was definitely challenging, but it was actually effective playing that way. And um, it's so funny because when I went to the next level, and I had my little stint in the NBA, and I started playing, and I played in the, in the minor leagues, which is called the CBA at the time, and I was called the NBDL. Um, all the coaches were very impressed with my, with my brand of basketball, my IQ, because that's one of the things that Coach Crest taught was just not even, it just, he just taught you how to play. And, you know, the moves and the things that you did, he gave you a reason why you did those things, you know, and I just, I credited him a lot because it showed. I had a lot of guys at the next level that was actually um, commending me on my brand of basketball. And these household name guys, like, damn, you didn't get drafted? I'm like, no, because, you know, numbers speak also. And so it might have affected me from getting drafted, but I got to respect it from a lot of top guys that love the way I played because I didn't, I didn't need the basketball to score. You right. know, I was always in position to score because of what Coach Kress implemented in my brand of basketball but because I knew how to handle the ball if I needed to put the ball on the floor I could but I never needed to really put the ball on the floor because 
again, if you just know how to play and know how to move without the basketball, you will always be in position to, you know, to be productive. I call, I, it the I, multi, I call it the multi, the multitask thinking because in that system and his brand of basketball, when we coming out, we just rely on athleticism, you know what I'm saying? Speed and, and grit. Well, if you got a, a mental capacity to go with all that, bro, you are effective. And yeah. what he did was all those strengths that I had. Now I'm adding a mental capacity to the game where I'm, I'm bro, I'm reading as 10 people on the court at one time and I'm reading what all other nine people are doing in a matter of a split second, right? And the cohesiveness of that, understanding that allows you to be more effective in, in to not putting the floor. When you put the ball on the floor, everybody's watching you, nothing's really happening. But you would say, you say, damn, Duke, like how you always get open? Because I figured a game out. If I set a pick for you, Guess what's gonna happen? That brought all attention to you and what you gotta do. I'm gonna be wide open. So that's why I learned the game. And you tell me that after we got out of college. I'm like, what? <laughs> we, we did that, remember we did a, a shot chart? And I'm like, how the hell you have 100 shots more than everybody on the team when you didn't have no players called for you? I was at the, I was second. I think I was second. I'm like, how the hell did you get 100 more shots? <laughs> oh, well, I learned, I, I learned that if, um. I learned that if I um, pick, if I set the pick, I, I get more shots. I said, why are you tell me that now? Hey, it makes no sense. Hey, what's up, guys? Check this out. If you're coming into the Charleston area, or maybe leaving at the Charleston area, and you want to avoid long lines and be greeted by friendly, sweet people, go check out Mark over at Avis and budget car rental at 7685 Northwoods Boulevard. When you go see Mark and you mention Triple Threat Podcast, you receive 30% discount on your rental. They also offer compact to large SUVs and vans to rent with quick, easy transaction and check us out and limited mileage on most rentals. So give Mark a call at 843-572-3190. Don't forget to mention Triple Threat Podcast. Me and Big Dad just talked about that because Jacksonville, all the players ran for high percentage players and shots. And like you said, and, and for you to know that, for you to say that, everybody known Coach Fresh never gave me no plays. And, and, and you know what? I applied that to my life. Like, no one ever gave me nothing. I realized no money never gave me shit. And, that, and that's cool. I got to go get it. And I'm cool with that. So when we call our plays, I would buck the system. Right. I do now. I have to buck the system to get what I want. So defense, and I know another thing, too, is that I knew what he liked. He liked a hard-nosed defender. Right. So as a small guard, point guard, I didn't have this, the, 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 um, the, the vision Anthony Johnson and Shane did, but I was in that, that size position. So I'm like, you know what? They, they don't like to defend. They're not hard nose like that. So I'll be the filler in. I'll be the hard nose. I'll stick my nose in there, which gave me more time on the floor. Because I was a horrible point guard. I cannot distribute. I can pass from here to, from me to you. And, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> but I can shoot from Florida to New York all day. All day. <laughs> 
All day. You gonna shoot that? You gonna shoot that too? But um, but yeah, man. And um, yeah, he, he gets the most out of you, man. He's he's like I said. One thing he did, like I said, it was it wasn't for for me. I was always trying to be that 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 smooth guy, that smooth basketball player. And one of the things that he taught me that I had to learn was get that smoothness out of your game. Just you play, just play dirty. hard. So he's gonna get the he's gonna get the most out of you, man. And that's one of the things that I appreciate. Because even at Western Kentucky, I left some points on the on the table. I left some, you know, my my, my I had so much potential. And one thing Coach Crest gonna do, he's gonna he's gonna hold you accountable, and he's gonna take that whatever bit of talent you have he's gonna get all of that out of you everything and everything we talked about full practice here we play in the game on saturday morning or might play at a at a friday night thursday evening or friday evening at practice we walk into that building that in that, in that video room is five positions on the board one two three four five we got your initials coming all the way down if you see your initials in that first column, you know you're starting the next game. If you see your initials in that first column, somebody had coming off in practice. Exactly. Somebody had coming off in practice. You know, by tomorrow, I said, so that means that I got another practice to gain that spot. And what he did was, bro already know who was starting. He already knew who his lineup was. But he wanted that last practice for the game to be super hard so we won't let up. And, and I want to tell you something too, bro. I never forget, you had that, that, that red and yellow duffel West Kentucky bag with your mm -hmm. ball can fit in there. Like, I never worked. All my talent came off of straight God-given. I never had a work ethic until the latter part of my game. But I always see you and say, I always see all guys, like, going to the gym. I'm like, man, I'm on the phone. But you guys stayed in the gym, man. But see, you, but see one of the things that I, I commended with you, we might have worked on our scale and you might've had, you know, natural talent, but you had a mental, you had a mental, you, your, your mentals were so crazy that you had a mind of what a, what an NBA player had. Most NBA players have, cause I played with guys that played at the next level. And I think because you was, you was always, you know, playing with your back against the wall because of your size, you had to have that type of mentality, man. And like I said, I wish I would have had that mentality in college because the sky would have been the limit. Naturally, I was always competitive. Said was my said was like my nemesis. If I'm gonna be on a team with someone, <laughs> I'm gonna either be the one of the stars or I'm gonna share the stardom. I'm not a selfish guy, and you have to be selfish to a certain extent at the next level. And um, uh, and I think I had it. Like I said, it was times and nights that said would call me and say, "Hey, let's go. Um, let's go train. You gonna train tonight?" I would tell him no. Because I knew I was going in the gym, but I got to call you tomorrow, said I'm not going to train with you. What you think? What you think this is? You feel me? But that was my mental, that was my mental edge. I always wanted to make sure I'm just as good, if not better than the guy that's in my position. But with you, you had a, you had a mentality that you wasn't, you wasn't cool with nobody, but you had to keep that edge. And a lot of guys respected you on the team. So therefore those shots that you took that you supposed to pass, they were like, damn, dude, pass the ball. We couldn't say nothing because, again, a lot of guys feared you because you didn't say much. You didn't play a lot. They didn't joke with you. So it was like, hey, you going to either take this, you going to either accept this shot or I'm on your head. You feel me? <laughs> so I think by, by, by establishing who you are and, who, and, your, and your, 
mature demeanor helped you to excel the way you did. Because I mean, a guy with your size, you wasn't supposed to out, out spot Danny Johnson. You wasn't supposed to outplay uh, those other guys that you did, man. But again, you had just a tenacity mentality that you had the grit physically, but your mentality was at another level that most guys don't have at that, at that age. You know, I got that more so now, but you didn't, you didn't play with nobody, man. I think the only guy you played with was me. Yeah, yeah. We, right. But we didn't play the same position either, so you get, so you really use that as a as a um, as a negative. And and I, I tell Big Dad that too. Like it, it wasn't a it wasn't a, a a hate thing, but I knew if I'm friends with the big guy, y'all got to rebound. You know what I'm saying? You can't and you can't bring it up. You know what right. I'm saying? So you're gonna like it's almost you're going to find dude. Like you see me? Oh, that's my guy. You're gonna give me the ball, right? Yeah. So with Shane. Same thing when you said was said with Shane. We coming on George Street. Never forget it. Shane walking down the street, coming from the, the the gym. I'm going towards the gym. He's walking on the same side of the street. I see him. I walk across the street because I don't want to walk by you and tell you hi. Because I don't want right. to. If I if I make you feel comfortable, that can give you an edge towards me. But if I make you feel uncomfortable, instead of worrying about practice the next day, the next you worrying about why this dude ain't saying nothing to me. <clears throat> That's all I needed. Yeah. Shane and I are the best friends. We, you know what I'm saying? Like, we we cool as I don't know what. But in, in college, because he's played my position, I couldn't. Because I know, like I said, but the parentheses, if a ball rolls on the floor and you and I go in and get it, if I'm boys with you, eh, it's 50-50. But if I don't rock with you like that, heads off. Heads off. I got to get that ball because when they watch that tape and they see I came up with that possession, Guess we're getting in that parentheses. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the more time you're on the floor, the more time you get seen, we know the game. So, yeah. yeah, it was a domino effect approach, but I had to make that work. You know what I mean? But you had to have that mentality. I never forget, God bless the dead, Jeff Bolton. Never, I never forget, he came, in the, he came in the house one day. He's like, hey, Shake. He said, man, I don't think Jamel liked me, man. I said, why you say that? He said, but I came in the house, and he, he, he pretty much just looked me off. I said, man, that's a different dude, man. You know what I'm saying? But again, y'all play the same position. And I didn't get it till after after college that, you know, I just wish that I would have established that mentality to a T, man. And just not just for a Cedric Weber, but for everybody, you know what I'm saying? Just for the for the majority. Cause it was sometimes, I mean, defensively, I know even I, I pride on I pride myself in defense as well. When we played teams, if I knew we was going up against a good a, a good team, I always tighten up. But you have to have that mentality throughout your whole course of your of your whole your career. I mean, even going back and referring back to you know Michael Jordan to the Last Dance, man, as yeah, you know, yeah. his mentality was similar to yours, if not times ten. You know, and that's what made him so successful because it's it's hard to sustain. Sports is pretty much fifty percent skill, if not less. The majority of it is mental, man, and for you to sustain. Uh, 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 a, a productive career for a long time, you have to have a different mentality than the average guy, man. That's why some guys make it, some guys don't. Uh, that and also, of course, with, you know, skills and talent. But when you're playing at a, at a certain level, man, you have to have a, a sense of, like, selfishness. Like, you have to be mad or, or, or find that inner, that inner whatever you have inside of you because everybody has that same type of mentality to a certain level. And like Shaq said, Shaq said he made up stories for David Robinson just so he can go hard at him. 
Yeah. You know? And that and that kind of segue again into our next topic, which is uh you know your playing career. You know, after the college, you know, give us a uh some feedback because I know you had a, a stint with San Antonio. Um, you know, we know we all know Tim Duncan is your is your cousin. You know? there, you go. <laughs> there you go. Tim Duncan oh. is your big is your big cousin. Give us some feedback on San Antonio, the you know, the 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 traveling experience and overseas. The, you know, the countries and teams you play for. Give us a little feedback. And also with that, <clears throat> throw a little bit of, of, of your, your, your interaction with your agent. You know what I mean? Your representation, how you, how you deal with your agency, someone representing you and making those things happen. Well, um, again, when I, left, when, I, when I left Charleston, man, it was kind of like everything happened so quick. I was invited to, I, I was invited to a pre-draft camp down in Houston. It was one of the first year they had the pre-draft camp and again I wasn't even thinking about like after college at Charleston my last game we lost to tell so I was still so you know kind of heartbroken about that that I didn't even think it was another level that I can actually go to at this time I was trying to figure this stuff out what's my next move I got an offer to go play at a um, pre-draft camp and also got an offer to go play in the um what was the USBL down in like um down in I want to say Miami right and um, I had the pre-draft camp and the USBL invitation was all around the same time. I had got drafted. The, the guy called me. He said, hey, we're going to draft you early, um, but we're not sure if you're going to be around. So I didn't understand what he was talking about. Uh, he was like, but we want to we make sure we solidify a spot for you. So at that same time, I got invited to this pre-draft camp. And so I had already told this guy, at the pre-draft, well, at the USBL, that I was going to be a little late. So the owner told me it's okay. So they picked me, they drafted me late because they didn't, they wasn't sure if I was still coming or not. They didn't want to, they didn't want to waste a pick. Right. Um, just pick, bringing me in like second pick, third pick, if I'm not going to be there. So they picked me late, like late, late round. I got to the team and I told the head coach, hey, um, I'm going to be here for a couple of days, but I have to leave to go to this pre-draft camp. And he said something slick to me, like, like pretty much like, why are you telling me that? It's not a guarantee you're on the team. I'm like, whoa, hold up. That's not what I thought. I thought I was on the team, according to how the, the, the owner told me that we're gonna pick you early. In this timeout session, we got Derek Coles. But I think it's gonna be an issue because you're going to have, like I said, going back to the dopamine, you're going to have some people that's going to be you know, monetized for playing their sport, you know, versus others is going to monetize from just being very creative um, with content on social media. And it's going to mess the locker room up, you know. Mm. You could be the guy, Jay. You could be the guy getting tons of buckets. Mm. And you get a $300 deal. But here I am. Don't play very well, but I'm funny. I'm funny and I'm getting, you know, tons of followers and reaches. And it's like, you can look at me like, I suck on the court. Like, I'm a bitch player, you know. But I'm getting, you get $300, you know, a couple of $300 endorsement deals. But here I got him getting old spice and saying, man, retweet us, man. I'm going to give you $1,000 for every time you retweet or every time you post them up, you know. So then you talk about just the dynamics in the locker room is going to change because you have the jealousy, you have the envy, you have people very upset. Um, even within sports, within the athletic department, right? You will have, you know, the general equity, which people are complaining about a lot, you know, just 
female sports compared to the male sport. You know, when you talk about the football and the basketball as compared to um, a, a men's soccer team. Now let's get back to the interview. So I'm like, okay, well, since he's going, since he's been a, a you know a butthole, let me go ahead and uh, when it's time for me to go to this pre-draft camp, I'm gonna go to this pre-draft camp in Houston. They were sending out sending me out to Houston. So I left the team or the camp and went down to the pre. I was a day late. I get down there. I'm playing with one of the infamous point guards in college, Kareem Reed, mm. and um, again. I'm not doing nothing different than what I was doing at College of Charleston. I'm playing without the ball. I'm in my spots. I'm playing with a pretty damn point guard, pretty good damn point guard that know how to find me. And I'm finishing. So by the time shit mid mid um pre-draft camp, I'm the I'm the person to watch. It's all Omar Sneed, it's uh Rashid Brokenbro, all these big time guys that play these big time college, but everybody's talking about Carl Thomas. Right. And all I'm doing is implementing what Coach Crest taught me, which is just knowing how to play basketball, finding my spots, limited dribbles, one dribble pull up, um, fade, um, fade, slash, and back door. And I got Kareem Reed passing me the ball. Nevertheless, it's the last day of camp. I think we won the whole thing. And they're calling out awards. MVP goes to Carl Thomas. I'm like, whoa. So I'm like, okay. But, the, but at this time, it was a guy named um, Walker D. Russell. He's the, the, the top agent for the Knicks. Now nah, he was the top agent for Toronto Raptors. And he asked me before I even got to the camp, because we was in the same limousine. Hey, um, you know, what school you played at? I said, I played at the College of Charles. And he's like, yeah, I heard of you guys. You guys had about four guys that was pretty damn good. Which one was you? I said, I was one of the four guys. <laughs> he said, well, we'll, we'll, I'll see about that. He said, what your, game, what your game remind me of? I said, I'm a big guard. He said, you can put the ball on the floor? I said, yeah, we'll see. By the end of the camp, he was telling me already that all these teams are watching me. They're interested. I got the MVP. Why? I was excited. A lot of guys were saying, well, how the hell did he win the MVP? And he missed a day of camp. But everybody was like, shit, while he was there, he did his thing. So I got, um, I got an invite to Houston Rockets. Um, at that time, I thought the Rock was going to pick me up because they were very highly interested. Um, Milwaukee brought me in to, to the summer league. I was playing with, um, God bless the dead, um, dead uh, RIP with Track the Trailer and um, Ray for Austin. A lot of good, good guys played well there too. But, you know, that experience, man, was just, it was just, it was just phenomenal. I was doing a lot of things that I didn't even think that these guys was just, we were just as good as those guys, man. It wasn't a big drop off at all. And I think I had more IQ than those guys had. They had a lot of, a lot of those guys I played with were just so skilled, man. You had guys six, eight, six, nine that could jump out the gym, probably run a four, two, four, three. And I think that was the difference at that level that you had guys that were so talented, but my IQ on how to score, you can put, you, you can put me anywhere on, the, on anybody's team. I'm going to get 15, 10 to 15 points just being out there. Without no without no plays called for me, and um, having my stint in the NBA, I, I just thought that I um, I was playing with San Antonio. San Antonio picked me up, and I just thought that um, I was in a good situation. Um, you know, Sean Elliott was hurt; he had this little kidney issue. Remember that. And the fact that me and Tim was close, and we was from the from the same territory, which is the U.S. Virgin Islands of Saint Croix. Um, 
I just thought that they was going to really keep me keep me around longer than they did. I think because of the um, the salary cap issue, they had to let me go. Um, I ended up playing in the CBA, played really well there too. I played with um, a guy by the name of Earl Boykins, Charles Smith, and Ansu Cisse. And um, it was so crazy because I had a pretty good CBA career as well. And um, San Antonio brought me back. And when they brought me back, um, I had an offer in the Philippines for about, you know, for a good amount of money. And I took that route, go overseas for that good a bit of amount of money because I just felt like I wanted to put more money in my pocket as opposed to following the process. Now, you know, you never know which direction you're going to go. Maybe San Antonio would assign me to a full four-year deal. Who knows? But I was chasing the, 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 the funds and the money. And ever since then, I just, you know, took my career um, overseas. And in the meantime of me doing that, I got a, a very good opportunity when I played in the CBA to go play in Japan for a very, very good team. And I, I majority of my career was in Japan. I won two championships over there. And just the lifestyle, the love that you get overseas was just as good as playing in the States. So um, Japan was my, one of my, it was my main country I played in. I played in a lot of subsidiary countries such as Argentina, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Mexico. But um, the experience playing overseas, it just, it, it, it's, it's discipline there too. You know, the whole time I was over there, I was thinking about just my family. I wanted to provide for my family. And so, you know, a lot of guys can't take that. They can't, they can't grasp, grasp that type of lifestyle because you have, you have to learn a different language. The culture is different. Um, you know, eating the, eating the food in those different cultures. You have nobody to really talk to. Um, you have one other American. It depends on your teammates with the locals if you want to become cool and close with them. But sometimes, you know, they're a little standoffish. All you have is yourself and just, you know, your mindset. And it's a big, it's a big sacrifice. It's a very big sacrifice. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I commend you know, athletes that go that long, they played overseas for 20, 30 years. Some end up even buying a home, getting married, living over there and yeah. changing their lives. So the sport of basketball, any sport can really take you to the next level. <clears throat> so talking about your playing career and overseas and playing, go right into the, you know, after you finish playing, what was your mindset? Cause I know you had a couple of business, business ventures and things that you wanted to do. Um, and I'll take you back a little bit um, with my story. Um, <clears throat> my career was capped a little bit just because of, I didn't have this, you know, I didn't have a left hand because I wasn't, I wasn't skilled. No one told me I need to, at my size, to be a point guard to be able to have a left hand. <clears throat> so that was one of the things that stunted my career. But the benefits from that is that when you, Danny said, when you guys went and started playing, started traveling, well, I started a business. So, the benefits from that was <clears throat> now I'm 20 years in my business and I'm doing well. I, I still regret the times I didn't get a chance to play and have the experiences. But at the end of the day, we always chasing, you know, the same thing. That's for as, as providing and being able to, you know, provide for the family. Talk about the business adventures and things that you experienced once you got out of, uh, you know, once the whistle, once the horn stopped blowing. Oh yeah. Good question, man. I mean, because I played ball, I had a little capital. I actually went back to school and got my degree in 2012 in business administration. That's, that was one of the things I'm going to talk about, but I'm glad you mentioned that. Go yeah. Ahead. So, I mean, when I finished basketball, I, again, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was kind of stuck. I was kind of, but I, one thing I did promise my grandmother and my mom was that, because um, when I got injured during 
during my basketball years, my mom would tell me, once you go finish school and with basketball, you can't just leave that window open so long and then try to come back. So I never thought about going back to school until I was completely done with basketball. And so as soon as I was done, I went back. I think I even called you. I called you, told you I was going back to school. And um, I, I think I had did some stuff. But anyway, um, I went back to school, got my degree. And when I got done, you know, I was so used to being on a set schedule uh, that I didn't know which direction I was going. I'm, I'm lost. So all I knew was basketball. So, of course, one of my homeboys, they told me, you know, I, I got some kids that I want you to train. So I did that for a few months. Got into the pharmacy business as a sales associate selling um, compound medication. And just by having that, comp that competitive athletic drive, I was one of the top sellers in the company. I did really well. So with the capital that I had, again, I didn't know what to do with it, but I was seeking for mentorship. I was seeking for um, what, what I need to do with the money that I had. Cause I didn't, again, I wanted to make sure I keep residual income. And um, you know, and one of the things that I've learned and that I've always done, I've always relied on other people. You know, I've always relied on, okay, if I have $100 or if I have $10,000, what can I do with it? Well, let me call this guy, hey, what you got going on? If you tell me uh, we could sell pigs and make 200,000, I'm gonna just put my money up. And a lot of times the business ventures sound good, but when it's all said and done, I come back, I don't have anything. And I'm like, you know, here I, here I go again, just putting a lot of trust in other people and not doing my own due diligence, not doing my research. So I started reading, you know, and at that time I met a guy through my financial advisor. I started, uh, I wanted to start a group home because of one of my other colleagues who played football, that's what he was doing. He was very successful. And he says a very lucrative business. So I said, let me go ahead and jump into that. Here I go again, hearing about the money, want to jump into some, no research. And here I am trusting in somebody else. So my financial advisor put me in contact with this guy. This guy's a very shrewd, very sharp guy, business guy, but he had an ulterior motive. Um, I ended up um, going in business with him. I bought a plaza here in Tampa, Florida, 30% ownership. And also we was getting ready to go in, um, go into a group home together. Um, he was bringing the experience. He had about five other group homes that he owned. Uh, with me, he was bringing the experience. I was bringing the property. Uh, we sat on the property property for about a year. Um, I decided to go ahead and say, you know what, since he's dragging his feet, let me go ahead and start the process on my own. In the meantime, while I was waiting around, I wanted to kind of make myself just as sharp as this guy. Again, trying to be competitive. I never want to be the weak link. So I started doing a lot of reading. Um, decided to, uh, So in the meantime, while I was reading, I decided to get my real estate license. So I got my real estate license, learned a little bit about the real estate game. And um, I started the business on my own with the group home. Um, it, you know, with the group home is a lot of work. That's not the type of work I really want to do. I want to be more of an investor. So, um, I didn't renew my license. Um, so I still have the home. I rent that home out to another group home provider. I have a, um, a plaza here in Tampa and I have a house in the Virgin Islands that I rent out to section eight. That's the type of, the, that's the type of work I want to get into. I want to just be more versatile. I want to know how to, you know, crunch numbers that could, which it could benefit me in the long run. So. Right now, what I have going on, I have a, a group home that I rent out, I have a plaza, and I have a house that I rent out to Section 8. I want to duplicate the same process and keep and keep the train running. But but you, we all learn from our mistakes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think what, what what's great about being a student athlete is because um, 
we forget things. Like we have a bad game. The next, the next game is coming. We got to get up, get up and make it happen. All right. So that small window of, 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 of remembering and, 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 and sobbing our own mistakes. We don't do that as athletes. We find a way and we make it happen. So some of the lessons that you learn from sports and that verse and, you know, the, the competitiveness goes right into the application of your business ventures. And that's what, that's the message, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, just corporate America to understand about student athletes. Like, like we would be so effective in the, in, 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 in work environment because of the energy we build, we bring. Right. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermel President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. In, in closing, I want to you know talk to you about three things that's that's very dear. It's called oatmeal recipe. Something that I design. Um, it's uh, skill development, education, and nutrition. And no matter what sports you play, no matter what if you're in corporate America, you have to be skilled in whatever you do. You have to be nourished in every day of your life, and you have to be educated in what you do. So three questions, and and in closing, I want to talk about. And skill development. What what skill development has you have you applied to your everyday life, and 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 where did you learn? What level of life did you learn that from? Was it high school, college, or professional? I mean, one of the skills that I think I developed tremendously was probably networking. You know, that's that's one of the key things that I think that um it comes natural just playing sports. You know, you travel a lot. I, I'm gonna I'm refer back to my playing days. I never forget I was on the plane one day. And I was sitting right next to a guy, and I felt like he was trying to ask me questions. And I was in um, with the with the first class seat. I'm sitting right right next to a, a very established guy that I didn't even know at the time um, in first class. And um, all I can remember is that um, while he's talking to me, I want to get some rest because I probably was out the night before. I'm like, why does this guy keep talking to me? And I I got with a guy that I actually played with in West at Western Kentucky. He was actually my teammate at the professional level. And I told him, man, my, my flight was, you know, was uncomfortable. This guy was trying to talk my head off and all I want to do was sleep. And he's like, CT, you can't do that. I said, why you say that? He's like, man, on these trips you go on, you have to network. You don't know who you're on the phone. You never know who you're on the plane with. You have to start thinking life after basketball because these same type of people that you're meeting on these trips can actually be your closest friend once basketball and sports is done. And so ever since then, wherever I go now, if someone, you know, can, um, starts to talk to me, the first thing I ask them is, what do you do? Because I want to know, what do you do? Because, you know, it's something that I could probably provide, there's some type of service I could provide for you, or maybe you can right. provide for me. Right. And I think that's one of the things, it's about your network. In life, man, it's about your network. 
which will equal your net worth. And uh, once you just once you develop that skill set, and you have something to offer, you know, you could probably find someone that could offer something to you as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the next one is nutrition. Um, how important is nutrition to you? And um, as athletes, you know, um, as you see, we talk. We I mean, we talk. You know, three or four times a week, probably an hour and a half, two hours when we do talk. And sometimes I, you know, I, I get on you because of nutrition and and and. But I I do believe with even with not if you're not an athlete. The, the what you put in your body is very important. And I, I go to these AAU games and you see players walk around with McDonald bags or, or, or sodas or Skittles and they got a game in 30 minutes. So driving that point home how important nutrition nutrition is, is very important. What's your, what's your, what's your take on that? I mean, you know, I'm from, I'm, we're from that era where, you know, nutrition wasn't that big of a deal back then that we didn't know. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, we took our body for granted because we was, you know, high level athletes. So whatever we put in our body, we just burn it off. But now, you know, it's a different, it's a different era now where you have to be considered about what you put in your body because I mean, your body is what is what helps you to perform at the best level that you can perform on, perform at. So if you're gonna take care of your body, you're gonna work out, you're gonna lift weights. It just only makes sense to, you know, to put the right things in your body, especially if you're thinking at a high level. Everything has to be, you know, it depends on what level of, 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 of level you're trying to get to. Everything is about discipline, you know what I mean? So if you're trying to be a, a high level athlete, you have to do it. If you want to be 100% committed, those one of the things that you have to, you know, take in and embrace because again, um, sports is only self, is only shelf life. You know, you have about a 10 to 15 year window from high school to college to pro. So if you're gonna do it, do it at the best you can do it at, which means, you know, um, get your body right, um, you know, and, and, and just keep your, keep your, keep your, keep your nutrition at the, at the best that you can keep it at. And <clears throat> this is a twofold, cause it goes right into, I remember I gave you a little story. We're taking creatine. We're taking creatine um, in, in, in college to get our muscles bigger. But we didn't know the education part of it that you had to drink a lot of water. So a lot of people got, you know, got into a little mishap with their bodies and drink doing that creatine. How important is education when it comes to sports um, and athletes? How, how important is that education? Whether it be education about nutrition, or education about your craft, how important that is, to, is that? I mean, education is everything. Again, is, is, first of all, if you're not educated, if you're not educating yourself, and you're not eligible to play, you, you, you can hang up sports, but also <laughs> it go hand in hand, but just educating yourself in general, man, it just gives you a sense of just enhancing your IQ. It enhances everything about your focus on, on what you're trying to do, you know? So again, if you're going to be committed, man, like I said, a lot of times, a lot of guys don't get it at a young age because you're not mature enough to get it. But as you get older, man, like me now, there's a lot of stuff that I missed growing up, man, that I wish I would've took, took a lot serious. And I'm playing catch up right now. So uh, if I had to give an advice to any young athlete, man, if you're going to be committed, I was committed from the, the training standpoint. I was committed from the, 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 um, the workout standpoint. But I just think that, you know, if I would have been committed more so from the education standpoint too, when I got done with basketball, I would have knew just what I was getting myself into because I would have already prepared my mind to know 
each step along the way. <clears throat> I would have knew that basketball would have stopped when I was 35. See, I always thought that I was going to be playing basketball until I was like 75, if you, if you ask me. I never thought it was going to st ever stop. You don't start realizing until that wheel stops turning. You're not getting those calls no more. Hey, we got a job for you over here. I never thought that. And you know, you never want to be stuck with your hand behind your, your, your hand in the cookie jar, like, oh, what 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 else to do? What, what's next? Right. You just start preparing yourself, man. And I think we just, as athletes, we don't know because we're not mature enough to know. But right. as long as good like yourself, having a podcast like that, bringing guys like ourselves to educate the guys that's up and coming, because again, they don't know what's what's ahead of them. Right. You can have this. Right. So. And 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 you just you just ended the, the podcast, bro. Because that would be my next question. What words or wisdom do you have that can go towards you know upcoming student athlete? And you just nailed it. Um, so yeah, man, it's we right at that that eleven fifty seven, right at that hour time. You know, I know you got a lot going on, but I I really really appreciate the time. You know, man, for you know, I, I first I really appreciate you as a friend. You know, it's not too many. Likewise, uh, people that I have that I, you know, that I can sit and talk to for an hour and a half, you know, right, what I'm right. saying? And, and, and our, our conversation are intense. We laugh, we joke, but we're, you know, we're, we're, we're good friends. And um, <clears throat> I appreciate you. Um, nah, same here, man. Same here, bro. For sure. For sure. Well, anything else to say, man, that's, you know, that concludes our interview. Um, I appreciate well, I was you. Say, again, just thanks for having me, man. It was a pleasure. You know, it's always good chopping it up with you, man. And um, I like what you're doing. Keep doing bigger and better things, man. I appreciate you, man. All right, big guy. You have a good weekend. Talk to you soon. All right. You too. All right. Peace. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. Uh, thanks, Carl, um, for coming out and giving us a story and telling us about, you know, his trials and tribulations, the good and the bad. Those things are, are wonderful things to talk about. Uh, coming up next, we got another... Uh, Letterman from the from CFC, Joe Chile from the Florida area, um, and then he went to uh, play professionally at Charlotte Hornets, and um, just talk about you no know, life at the college, injury, how to sustain, and his comeback from uh, a lot of things that that he had to had to deal with. All right, strong personality, great strong person. All right, we'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs. Looking out for the best interest of the youth, the future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.
Yoxie.